Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Let's talk to the uh, leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, Pierre Polyev, joins us on the Roy Green Show. Mr. Polyev, how are you today? I'm excellent. How are you, Roy? I'm well. Thanks so much. Thanks for asking. I have to ask you about this. Mark Miller, former Crown Indigenous Affairs Minister, pointed out on a social media post... Um, by you yesterday on National Truth and Reconciliation Day that you did not properly identify the Inuit elder in a photo with you as being Manitok Thompson. Elder Thompson posted thanks to you for your engagement with her and challenged Mr. Miller that politicians should engage in nonpartisan manners. And I think many Canadians would immediately agree with that sentiment. What's your, what's, what's your position on, on this? I think Mr. Miller was incredibly petty. Uh, he should have just called me if he was confused. Um, what he, he seemed to be upset about is that I referred to the fact that I was attending a ceremony put on by a group of Algonquin elders, uh, which is what I was doing. But those elders have a tradition that photography is banned from those ceremonies. And therefore, we did not take any pictures of that. There were some Inu leaders who also attended that Algonquin event, and, and they asked for a picture afterwards, and that's the one I posted. And that's how we had Inu leaders in a post about an Algonquin ceremony. Uh, so everyone was together, unified, and honoring uh, Indigenous people, their past and uh, their future, uh, on Truth and Reconciliation Day until uh, Mr. Miller came along to try and score a cheap partisan political point um, but I'm very glad that the Miss um, uh, Manitouk uh, uh, fired back at him and put him firmly in his place. I want to talk to you about issues that uh, are ongoingly of great concern to uh, everybody in this country, but there are some other matters that need resolution, and I'd like a quick comment from you on these, or not so quick if you choose. Mr. Trudeau's accusation that India engaged in extrajudicial murder of a Sikh community leader in British Columbia, and then the issue of the failure to vet the former Galicia Waffen SS member before bringing him to Parliament for the President Zelensky visit. Yes, I mean, on the on the former point, uh, I don't have any more information than you do. Um, obviously, it's a very serious allegation. It would be unacceptable for any foreign government to carry out an assassination on Canadian soil. Um, I will hope that the RCMP is going to lay charges against those who actually pulled the trigger, because if the government knows who was behind the killing, surely it, they must know who did the killing. And that should mean criminal charges, because, of course, murder is a criminal offense. So we anxiously await the RCMP laying those charges. And uh, and then we will take it from there. And then as for the presence of a, um, a Nazi or someone who fought on behalf of uh, a Nazi supporting division in the Second World War, um, 
look, the, the prime minister has to take responsibility. The protocols uh, and events of a major international state visit are the charge of the prime minister, his office, his foreign affairs, diplomatic and intelligence officers. Um, the federal government does vet people who come and go into parliament, requires them to do fingerprint checks. Uh, he ought to have had his officials vet not only the presence of people, but also the remarks of the speaker, because, of course, this was not uh, any old day in, in parliament. It was the day we were hosting a, a leader of a war-torn country who is the target of propaganda and assassination attempts. Uh, and it was the duty of the Trudeau government to protect him against both. They protected him against neither. And then after the embarrassment occurred, our reputation uh, was in, was shredded for five days while Justin Trudeau hid in a cottage trying to avoid any personal embarrassment to himself. He again put himself before the country, and now Canadians and our reputation is uh, what suffers. And the Liberals tried to erase the entire event from the parliamentary record, which <laughs> speaks right. volumes to me. Yeah, it was a really um, Orwellian, um, sort of a Soviet-style move. They stood up and said, can we please have unanimous consent to uh, scrub the records of the uh, embarrassment happening? And it was actually a Jewish MP who stood up and said, no, I won't grant unanimous consent because deleting history is not how you learn from it. It's by studying and remembering it. And so we, we did not allow that. But it, again, speaks to uh, Trudeau's attempts to erase his personal responsibility for his ongoing failures, which is something he does in all aspects, whether it's the doubling of housing costs or the quadrupling of his carbon tax or the fastest rising in interest rates in monetary history. He wants to erase everything. He's uh, all the damage he's done so that he's never held accountable and other, others pay the price. Let me talk to you about some uh, Canadian issues that are not going away at any time soon, it appears. The first one, the visceral one, is the carbon tax. Now, you've said you will axe the tax if you're elected prime minister. You've said that many times. You've said that on this program. How quickly, Mr. Polyev, and is there any plan to replace it with another and different tax? No, there is no plan to replace it with another different tax, and I will axe the tax in my very first uh, budget and potentially even before I introduce a budget, but it'll be one of the first acts I undertake as prime minister of Canada. Axe the tax, bring home lower prices. The housing crisis. Please remind us of your plan to address this and how quickly will you move on that and are you assured that it will be feasible? You've told us about how municipalities and provinces will need to cooperate. Are you sure or have you been assured that it's feasible? I am sure. Um, there are two things driving housing costs. One is the deficits that the Trudeau government is running, which push interest rates higher on mortgage payments. Uh, I will deal with that by capping spending and cutting waste to balance the budget and bring down interest rates and inflation. Uh, then there is the uh, shortage of homes. We have the fewest homes per capita of any country in the G7 after eight years of Justin Trudeau, even though we have by far the most land to build on. Housing should be cheap in Canada, given the enormous abundance of land. It's expensive because we're the second slowest place in the OECD to get a building permit. I was just speaking to a builder moments ago at the Metcalf Fair in, here in Ontario. Uh, he said the biggest obstacle to building homes is not uh, materials, it's not land, it's getting the permits. So my common sense plan is to link the number of federal infrastructure dollars that cities get to the number of homes they allow to be completed. 
So I will require they permit 15% more homes per year or, or lose federal infrastructure money. But if they beat that target, they'll get a building bonus. For example, they beat the target by 10%, they'll get 10% more money. They miss it by 10%, they'll get 10% less. This will put massive pressure on bureaucracies to speed up and grant those permits, free up land, and get things built. I'll also um, require CMHC, the Federal Housing Authority, grant approval for financing of apartment complexes in 60 days rather than in seven or eight months so that it's take, it's faster to get financing to build more homes. And I'm going to make it a, a legal requirement that every time the federal government funds a transit station, all available land around it must be uh, set aside for high-density apartments so young people and seniors can live right next to the bus or train. Would you have any influence on the increase of rents? We spoke two weeks ago with uh, the two sisters in Toronto I'm sure you're aware of the story. He received uh, a notification their rent was going to go up $7,000 a month from $2,500 to $9,500 a month as of November 1st of this year. This is uh, outrageous, but this is this is life in Canada after eight years of Trudeau and the NDP. They're both in power together, and this is the result you're getting. Um, the reason rents are raging is because interest rates are high, which forces people who would otherwise otherwise buy homes to rent. You have more and more people renting units that don't exist. So the landlords have all the power and they can raise rent as much as they want. The only way to give the tenants more power is to build more units uh, so that, that landlords have to compete with each other uh, for tenants and lower the rent. Uh, that's the only thing that will lower rents. Um, because I, you know, I'll point out that in, the, in heavily regulated housing markets like Vancouver, where the NDP is in provincial government, the rent is even higher than it is in Toronto. Uh, and so again, the problem is we do not have enough units. So one of the ways I'm going to increase the supply of apartments is I'm going to sell off 15% of federal buildings and thousands of acres of federal land to turn them into apartment complexes so that we increase the supply uh, for our people to live in. Okay, there's no time to waste on that, as you know. We negotiated 10 minutes uh, with you. I have one other question. The possibility in- exists that you could be sent to Ottawa after the next election, leading a minority government. What could you accomplish? I know you don't want to talk about minority government, but were you to be returned as prime minister in a minority government, how would this affect your agenda, how would this affect your ability to get things done? It'd be very hard. I, I, I will still do it and I will manage it competently. But, you know, my warning to Canadian voters is this. The NDP, the Liberals and the Bloc Québécois all want to quadruple the carbon tax to 61 cents a litre. I want to axe the tax. If you want me to axe the tax, I'll need a majority to guarantee I have the votes in the House of Commons to pass that. Um, uh, the NDP bloc and liberals all want to keep the monster deficit spending that has driven inflation. I want to balance budgets to bring home low inflation and interest rates. So you're going to need a conservative majority to guarantee that happens. Uh, the other parties want to ban hunting rifles. I want to protect hunters. You need a majority to guarantee that hunters and lawful sports shooters will be protected. Um, I'm the only leader that wants to reinforce and re-strengthen our military. The other parties want to slash and burn the forces. 
So look, folks, uh, you decide. It's I'm 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 a humble servant here. I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm working for the Canadian people. If you want to axe the tax, balance the budget, protect hunters, rebuild our forces, you need a conservative majority led by Pierre Polyev. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 